Thank you for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed today's service. God is using the ministry of Lakeside to make a difference in many people's lives, and we have heard numerous stories of life change. If God has used the ministry of Lakeside to make a difference in your life, we would love to hear your story. Please email us at amen at lakesidechurch.ca. So my name is Jeff Gronwald, and I thought just as we get started this morning, this is a little different. Should I sing a song now? No, let's not. Uh, let's not do that. We're going to do something a little different this morning. So just as we get started, you know, oftentimes on Sunday mornings, I have the chance to share a little bit of um, how I feel God is uh, leading us through the songs when I do worship leading. But um, you, some of you don't know me that well, so I thought I'd just take a couple of minutes to tell you a few things about myself as I bring God's word to us this morning uh, with our message. It was back in high school that I found personal faith in Jesus. And I was not looking for that. I did not think I needed that any more than I already had that. But an opportunity came along. I had grown up in a small town up in eastern Ontario. And I had, was part of a youth group there. And we had been invited to a church service. And at the end of this church service, which was in Ottawa, um, an invitation was given asking people to come forward and say, do you want to know Christ personally? And didn't really know what that was all about, but it made a lot of sense to me as I could understand it. So I made a personal prayer of faith that day, and I knew that something had happened. I wasn't sure what or where to go with that, but I knew that something had happened at that moment. A couple of years later, I went off to university at the finest university in the land, University of Western Ontario. I said at the finest university in the land, the University of Western Ontario. Yeah, that's... Whoa! Who was that? Did somebody say Queens? Okay. So anyway, went off to Western, and during my years there, my faith was further refined and deepened during that, uh, those couple of years at Western because I met some very um, committed young Christian people like I was who were really trying to live it out and walk it out there on campus. And I began to discover my eyes opening up because things were happening that I was not yet or not previously aware of. I had no idea as a, for instance, that there were actually modern day missionaries that were heading off around the world and doing all these interesting things in nations all over the place. I was very attracted to these people who were uh, really very committed to Jesus. And so a passion for God began to develop there and a passion for his great commission, his message to go around the world. And so first as a single guy and then uh, later on after Andrea and I got married, we started traveling the world and taking the message of Jesus with us wherever we would go. So we spent time, uh, we've been across Canada, we've been in Latin and South American countries, uh, we've been in African countries, East Asian countries, India, Ukraine, the Middle East, and several nations besides that. And in all of those places, I discovered that God was at work everywhere and that he gave me the opportunity to be a part of what he was doing around the world. And so as I come to you today to bring our Sunday message, and more than that, as I come to you in this season at Lakeside Church as Lakeside's interim senior leader, I come as someone who's on a spiritual journey probably like you are on a spiritual journey. Like you, perhaps, I'm interested, I'm hungry to know God better and better. Jesus told a story in the New Testament, and this story was about a mustard seed that gets planted in a garden and grows to become a tree. 
and a mustard tree, as in what Jesus was talking about here, grows from that tiny seed, they say, to about eight to ten feet tall. And, you know, f nearly 40 years ago now, this mustard seed was planted in my life. And it has grown into a tree in my life. It's matured and become a powerful thing, so much so that today I can no longer imagine a life without God at the center. And over the next weeks and months as I lead here, both in worship with the band, as you know me to do that, and as I speak here, I won't be speaking every week, but I will do some of the Sunday speaking. As I do that, it's all going to be focused on directing our attention, directing our gaze to our Heavenly Father and helping us to hear Him, to know Him, and to grow in Him. And may it be that each one of you has a seed planted in, your, in the soil of your life that grows into an immovable tree like it has in mine. That's my desire to impart that to you during all the things that I will do in this season of transition here at Lakeside. So speaking of unshakable faith and confidence and people who are walking that out, it's Mother's Day. So really glad that you've made the time. I know there's probably a hundred excuses for not coming to church. You know, got to get the Mother's Day celebrations ready and all. So I'm glad that you've come today. And we are going to give our attention to the topic, the woman God uses. And so I celebrate all of you women this morning. I'm not just going to talk to mothers, but we're going to uh, use this as an example to talk about the woman God uses. And when I say the woman God uses, I don't mean uses in some kind of an improper way, like God uses you up or God abuses you or does something improper to you. I mean uses to mean a woman that God works in and through, a woman whose life reflects the goodness and generosity of God, a woman who finds in her, herself in the place to say and to do the right thing, a woman who is entrusted with responsibility and great opportunity. Does that sound like the kind of woman, or for that matter, the kind of man that you want to be? If it does, let's dive in together. Let's look at Mary Magdalene in the Bible. That's going to be our biblical case, and then we're going to look at four lakeside women along the way here who are living and walking it out in a unique way. So let's put up on the screens Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. This is the first time that Mary shows up. She'll show up a few other times along the way in the gospel narratives, but this is the first time. And today I'm going to share with you seven essential characteristics or traits of women that God uses. So you can count your way along. You've got a, a handout in your uh, bulletin that you got on the way in this morning to help see where we're going. So the first point, I believe, is probably the most important. So I'll spend a little bit more time on this one, and everything else hinges on this. A woman that God uses is a woman who has experienced personal transformation. And I get that. Let me just find it here in the, in the Bible. Oh, there goes the papers. 
I get that from reading that Mary Magdalene was someone who had been cured of evil spirits, and specifically that it is said that she was cured or delivered of seven demonic spirits. So let's think about this for a second and see what's going on. Mary had a spiritual problem. She had a spiritual problem. Somehow along the way, her life had become afflicted by demonic spirits. We can probably envision and imagine a person here who is bound up with some kind of spiritual tension, spiritual problems, even to the point where the scriptures say that there were seven demonic spirits that had come to take up residence in her life, and that now, however, she was experiencing freedom. Somewhere along the way, and we're not told in the scriptures where or when exactly this happened, but she had met Jesus, and she'd been delivered of these seven demonic spirits, and she was now experiencing uh, a measure of freedom. So the scriptures teach us that the enemy of God, the devil, prowls around in the earth like a roaring lion seeking to kill and steal and destroy. In Mary's life, she had probably experienced along those lines what it was like to have parts of her life stolen, parts of her life killed, and parts of her life destroyed. Maybe this morning you can relate to that. Maybe you feel like, hey, there's some parts of my life that have been stolen, some parts of my life that feel like they've been killed off. Don't know if they'll come back to life or some parts of my life that have been destroyed. Well, here's the good news of the gospel, and I love sharing the good news of the gospel. You don't have to stay in that place of feeling stolen or killed or destroyed. You really don't, because Jesus releases us from that kind of bondage. And Jesus had released Mary from her spiritual bondage. You know, early in Jesus' public ministry, he was in a synagogue one day, and he read from the Old Testament during his time in the synagogue, and he said that he was the fulfillment of a prophecy from the Old Testament book of Isaiah that he was sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to release the oppressed. Further, in the New Testament, Jesus says they had come to give us life and give us life to the full. That's what Mary had experienced, a life transformation. And as a result, she was someone God could use. So I ask you this question this morning, what about you? Have you recognized that there's a destructive, life-destroying impact of sin in a person's life? And have you encountered the living God who sets you free from all that? Have you experienced the kind of freedom that we read that Mary had experienced here? Are you personally experiencing that today? Is it really changing your life? Because that is the offer of the life with Jesus, a transformed life. And it's the most important point today, but more than that, our story of Mary hinges on this, that a woman God uses is a woman who has experienced spiritual transformation. Let's move on to point number two. A woman God uses is a woman who has a heart for those far from God, a heart for those far from God. And I get that from reading that after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, it doesn't take very long in following around Jesus to discover that he had a message, and he was wanting to get that out. 
The interesting thing about Jesus' message here was that people were forever saying to him, hey, come and stay at my house today. Hey, come and stay in our town for a couple more days. Um, stay with my family. My family needs attention. But what's really interesting about Jesus is he was constantly saying, let's go over to the other side. Let's go over to that other town over there. There's people over in this other place that need me, and need me, and I was sent to those who are lost, to those who are sick, to bring them healing. So Mary most certainly recognized this early on in Jesus' ministry, that there was a message that needed to be spread far and wide. The long-awaited Messiah had arrived. She had personally experienced a new spiritual life, and she was willing to travel around with Jesus to make that happen. Mary was a bit of a seed sower. And let's read some of the scriptures that immediately follow Luke 8, 1 to 3. I'm not going to put it on the screen, but let me read that what comes immediately after the introduction of Mary and the other, the other women in that context. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Jesus was a seed sower, and he teaches us here the lesson that God abundantly scatters seed all over the place. He doesn't care that some falls on rocky soil, that some falls among thorns, and only some of it falls on the good soil. That's the beauty of Jesus. He spreads his seed everywhere to everyone, and Mary was a seed sower. So this morning, I just want to pause for a moment and give you the five principles of reaping and sowing as you seek to be a woman who God uses. You reap what you sow. You reap where you sow. You reap after you sow. You reap more than you sow. And you reap seed capable of reproduction. So be a seed sower. Mary was a seed sower. Are you a woman who has a heart for those far from God? Or are you a woman who is seeking to plant that small seed of faith in your own life and wanting to see it grow? Are you concerned about those around you who have not yet experienced an encounter with Jesus? Then you are a seed sower. And if you are a seed sower and you have a heart for people far from God, you are a woman that God can use. Point number three, a woman God uses is a woman who is a team player. I get that from the fact that we read in that Luke chapter 8, Mary was part of a group of women. Several are mentioned. It says that there's several more whose names are not mentioned. The group of women itself, she was the leader of it, as she was mentioned number one in that story. And also, the group of women was part of a group of men. So team is not just modern management theory that was invented in the 19-whatevers. Uh, team is hardwired into our very existence by God to be people that work and live together with others and not alone. And great things happen when people work in teams. Mary was not a lone ranger. 
our staff here at Lakeside, since I've um, started working with them uh, at the beginning of April, we've been going through uh, the teachings of Patrick Lencioni's book, you maybe have read it, called The Ideal Team Player. And he highlights three characteristics that are important in being a team player, humble, hungry, and smart. Humble people are people who recognize it's not all about me. I don't have an ego that needs to be stroked. When I make a mistake, I admit it, and I uh, can, can own that and move on through that. It's not all about me. Hungry people go above and beyond for the sake of the team. They're not worried about whether they got their job done and others didn't. They want to make the team succeed, and they're hungry to make that happen. And smart people recognize that people who are smart, they recognize that my words and my actions make a difference, make an impact on people, and they think about that, and they adjust to be a, a positive impact in somebody else's life. Humble, hungry, and smart. Mary would have been that as a team player. Are you a woman who's a team player? Or do you prefer to be alone? I'm not talking about a person who has hundreds and hundreds of friends and is the most social person around, but there's a lesson here. Women God uses are women that work well and work regularly with others. God can use you to be a part of a team, whether that's a team of your family, a team in your neighborhood, a team at your workplace, a team here at Lakeside. God wants us and offers us the opportunity to be a team player. Point number four, a woman God uses is a woman who is a leader. I'm going to speak about this now just a little bit and a little bit later in the message too where Mary's leadership uh, items come out a little bit later in the passion narrative. A woman who is a leader. Mary is a leader and we get that from the fact that she's mentioned first in this group of three a part of many others. She's a leader because in the male-dominated society of the New Testament, she wasn't afraid to be a part of a group of women who were part of a group of men. She wasn't afraid to stand up and be a person who supported out of her own financial means. She stood up in the male-dominated culture and contributed to the mission of Jesus. Mary was a leader. Are you? If you are, you're a woman God can use. Point number five, a woman God uses is a woman who is generous. We see that when it says that she financed, she and the other women financed the group, financed the mission out of their own resources. Kind of curious, isn't it, that we don't see that the men financed the group? I just find it worthy of noticing. I don't know, maybe they did and it just wasn't said, but we do definitely notice that the women were generous and Mary was a generous person. Now, many years ago, I, uh, I, I met this guy down in London, Ontario when I went to finest university in the land and um, he was a local business leader and he and I were talking about a project that we were both working on together a, a project in the community and I said to him hey Bill are those uh, people out west helping you with the project and he said the only kind of help I understand is money so no they're not and I never forgot that it was kind of funny no, the only kind of help I understand is money. It's probably a little bit of an overstatement, but maybe there's a little bit of truth in it too. And believe me, as the, over the past 30 years, I've worked in Christian ministry. When you work in ministry, you raise money. And I've raised my fair share of it. And I've learned a few things about generous people and stingy people. Now, are you allowed to say stingy people in church? I just did. 
I hope it's okay. So I'll share with you a few things about generous people and stingy people. As you think about being a woman that God can use or a man that God can use, God uses generous people. Here's a few things I've learned. Generous people are fun to be around. They really are. Generous people are fun to be around. Generous people see money as a renewable resource to be used, not to be a precious gem hidden away. Generous people think about what they can do, not about what others should do. I remember one time I had a friend, I still have a friend, uh, in Edmonton, and I asked him for $500,000 for a project that we were working on. I had a hard time choking out the words because it was such a large amount of money, but I asked him if he'd give $500,000 to this project. And you know what his answer was? Yes, I think we can do that. And there was no fanfare about it. There was no sense of, well, gosh, that's a lot of money. Why don't you ask those other people over there and those other ones over there? He just said, yeah, I think we can do it. Generous people think about what they can do, not about what others should do. Stingy people, on the other hand, remind the recipients of their giving how many people ask them for money. They promote one-up, one-down relationships. They remind people that I have the money and you need the money. So let's keep that relationship straight. Generous people, on the other hand, recognize, hey, we're all in this together. We all need each other. Generous people have an abundance mindset. Hey, there is enough money to go around for all the things that God wants to do. Stingy people have a scarcity mindset. Money's running out. Stingy people try to cut their way through the budget to the future. And believe me, I'm not afraid to cut the budget. I'm not opposed to cutting budgets. It's good sometimes. and Sometimes you need to. But generous people don't think about cutting the budget way to the future. They think about, hey, what opportunity still lies in front of us that we want to go after? So I ask you the question this morning, where are you at on the generosity scale? Are you other-centered with your money? Are you investing deeply in God's mission? Have you come to recognize that you are the steward and the caretaker of the resources, not the ultimate owner? God's the ultimate owner. If the answer is yes, or you're seeking to get on the road to yes with your generosity, good news. Like Mary Magdalene, you are a woman that God can use. So I've given you five of the seven principles. We're zooming along, but we're going to just put a pause on the biblical lessons from Mary Magdalene for a moment. We're going to talk about our first lakeside woman. So let's put her up on screen. Olive Bleach. Now, I saw Olive walk in at the beginning of the service. She's back there at the back. Yeah, there she is. So Olive um, is a person who's walking it out and living out, being a woman that God can use. And would you look at that, 70 years being married. Like, we should just stop right there. Anyway, as if that isn't enough. Okay, Bill, you must be a good man. So let's, uh, let's talk about Olive a little bit more here. My name is Olive Bleach, and I was born and raised in Guelph, and I've lived here my entire life. My parents were Scottish immigrants to Canada, and they settled in Guelph following their marriage. I was their fifth child. I was raised in a strong Christian home and accepted Christ as my Savior as a small child. 
I really don't remember a time when I didn't know and love the Lord. As a young boy, my husband Bill attended my Sunday school and was friends with my brothers, Ray and Gordon Guthrie. Bill became my boyfriend when I was 13. That almost sounds scandalous. <laughs> Bill became my boyfriend when I was 13 and he was 15, even more scandalous. And I married him when he returned from serving in World War II. Isn't it awesome that we have a World War II vet among us? It's tremendous. So we had three children, Bill, Ann, and Jane, and I think Ann and Jane are here with us today. We took our children to Sunday school each week and taught them to memorize God's Word. I served as the church organist in women's ministry and in a regular student lunch ministry to young people from the University of Guelph. I taught myself to play the piano and learned to play the organ when an organ was donated to our church and there was a need for someone to play it. I played that organ for many, many years, and you may be interested to know that to this day, I can only play hymns, and so I know my gift is God-given. I experienced the heartbreak of losing a beloved grandson seven years ago in a tragic accident, and my son three years ago as a result of complications with diabetes. I have learned that the Lord is our great comforter and sustains us during the deepest hurts this life brings. I have happily embraced my, children's, my children and grandchildren's partners who I think of as my own. I pray for my family by name every day. Bill and I have attended Lakeside for 11 years and have met so many wonderful people. I was 80 years old when we came to Lakeside. We love this church and feel very privileged to be a part of the Lakeside community. We realized that there was still work that we could do to serve the Lord here, and we've been working alongside the Alpha team for about eight years as greeters. We love people, and this role is perfect for Bill and I. It's a wonderful thing to have the health and strength to be involved in God's work, even at our age, and I thank the Lord every day for His loving kindness to us. Bill and I are engaged in life, and we're out and about every day. We spend time with our kids, their kids, and our great-grandchildren, and are so blessed that they also have Christ-centered homes. We meet with longtime friends each week for breakfast and have season tickets to the Storm hockey games. Yes. Life is full for Bill and I, and we're not sitting around. Our kids often ask, where are you? We like to be busy. I worked in my family business, Guthrie's Bakery, from my youth until it was sold many years later, and then I worked for Sears Canada until I retired at 65. My heart's desire was that wherever I worked, Christ's love would be shown through me. And Olive Bleach, you are a woman God is using. Let's look at our next Lakesider, Noelle Baker. Engineering professor? Yes. In June 2014, after working full-time in engineering and manufacturing for 14 years, I decided that something had to give. Colin and I felt things were no longer manageable and I no longer enjoyed working. It was extremely difficult for both of us to manage all the roles in our life. By the way, probably a few others here could say they don't enjoy working too. Anyway, just an aside. Um, I truly felt my relationships were suffering, including my relationship with Christ. It was scary and risky, but I, but I quit my job with no real plan other than to take the summer off, spend time with the kids, and reevaluate things. 
I left my pension and my extremely generous salary and benefits too. Now I am a part-time engineering professor at Conestoga College. I also work for the college as a corporate trainer. I'm married to my best friend and greatest supporter, Colin. We're blessed with two wonderful children, 12-year-old Sam and 9-year-old Sarah. We have made financial sacrifices so that Sam and Sarah could continue at a Christian school. The community there is such a huge part of the support we need to keep Christ at the center of our family and the decisions we make. It really does take a village to raise a family. With my new flexible schedule, I was able to also start volunteering at the school. I enjoy building relationships with the teacher and other moms. Our kids are such a huge reminder for Call and I when we get wrapped up in our week and forget about nurturing our relationship with Christ. Whether it is attending the kids' Friday morning chapel assembly, helping them with their Christ-centered homework, or discussing with, what's with Sam what he learned at youth group on Wednesday night, there are constant reminders to bring Colin and I back to what really matters. I'm passionate about helping people engage in worship on Sunday mornings, and I love serving as part of the praise team. I also love volunteering at Hope House, one of the many benefits of switching from full-time to part-time employee Employment three years ago was a schedule that allowed me to volunteer as a receptionist at Hope House during the day. I love greeting the clients and helping them connect with the resources they need. I'm also a member of the Lakeside Kids Crew and help in my daughter's class once a month. I'm very grateful for the excellent children's program at Lakeside and I enjoy the opportunity to experience the engaging programming and gain a better understanding of what my daughter's learning about. I know that God has a purpose for me and he continues to provide me with opportunities to use my gifts to serve my family and others through ministry and my career. And Noel Baker, you too are a woman that God is using. Let's get back to the scriptures for a moment and Mary Magdalene and pick her up later in the story by looking all the way to the end of the gospel accounts in John chapter 19. John chapter 19. Verse 25, and there she is, near the cross of Jesus, stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Point number six on your outline is that a woman that God uses is a woman who is identified with Jesus. A woman who is identified with Jesus. She wasn't afraid to be identified as a Jesus follower, a Jesus seeker. What about you? Are you willing to be identified as someone who is following Jesus or attempting to follow Jesus? If you're someone who's seeking the spiritual life this morning, are you willing to be identified as, I'm seeking the spiritual life. I'm seeking to know more about Jesus. That you're investigating him. A woman God uses is not afraid to be identified with Jesus. A woman God uses is not afraid to be there at the key moments of life like Mary was. Certainly this was a key moment, the death of Jesus. What about you? Are you there at the key moments in your life? Notice again that Mary was never alone. Here she's with other people at the cross. Women God uses are people that include others. She was there at the burial. Let's skip over to the gospel account of Matthew chapter 27. And there she is again. So this is the account, you can just kind of scan down the scriptures, this is the account of Joseph of Arimathea 
receiving Jesus' body, burying it in a tomb. But let's just look down at the bottom of this. He rolled a big stone in front. Yep, okay. And Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. There they were. There she was at another key moment. It's even still debated today whether Jesus, in fact, died or only swooned. And we talked about that here on Good Friday. Mary was there as a witness to the burial of Jesus. Again, never alone. Women God uses are always with others. So earlier in the message, I talked about uh, Mary was a woman who was a leader. Let's come back to her leadership by putting up on the screen John chapter 20, and we'll, we'll look through some scriptures there. John chapter 20. Mary was willing to be first and not wait for others to step forward. First to the tomb. There she was. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, saw that the stone had been removed. John chapter 20, verse 10. Let's put the next one up. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white. She was the first to see the angelic visitors at the tomb. I find it kind of curious here. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Nothing further to see here, fellas. Time to just head back. Mary hung around a little bit longer, and look what she saw. A visit with two angelic visitors who spoke to her of the resurrection while she was there. Women God uses don't rush off quite so fast. John chapter 20, verse 14. She's the first to see Jesus. She turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get, to him. I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out, Rabboni, which means teacher. She's the first to see Jesus post-resurrection. And as you continually demonstrate that you are a woman God is using, God will meet you. And finally, John chapter 28, she returns saying, I have seen the Lord. Mary was a worshiper, and so are women that God uses. So these were some of her leadership, some of her being at the front of the pack, qualities that make her a woman God uses. All right, let's pause for a moment. Two more lakeside women. Let's put up Sarah Arnold. Three kids, five and under. Wow. Okay. Here's a bit of Sarah's story. I grew up in a Christian home with my three older siblings and my parents who taught us about serving both in our church, serving both in our church as well as to anyone with need. We were a foster family for children with special needs as well as taking in a church member's child on and off for years while she was in and out of the hospital. I volunteered at our church camp for three summers as a lifeguard where I had the opportunity to grow in my faith as well as having the opportunity to show God's love to the campers each week. I went to Asbury University where I studied elementary education and had wonderful Christian professors who again poured into my life and helped, me, helped guide me on my walk with God and challenged me in my faith. I was placed in a student teaching position where I was able to show God's love to my students at school at a school where over 60% of the school population sat at or below the poverty line and the challenges that came with that. 
I graduated university 2006 and met Brett at church. We got married in August 2008. In June 2010, my mother suffered a massive stroke, and watching the love and care that my mother had poured out into others her whole life come back around to support our family with love and support during an, entire, uh, during an uncertain time. In September 2010, I started as a full-time contract teacher with the Upper Grand School Board at a more challenging school. I start my morning at work with a prayer for my students and my school. I bring in a bag of apples each week for my classroom. I thought they were supposed to bring you the apples. Anyway, as well as stocking a box of crackers so that kids who might not have enough food in their lunch know that food is not something they have to worry about while they're at school. My goal is for my students to know that they matter to me and to know that I care and to show them God's love. We try to instill counter-cultural values in our family, from family values posted on the wall of our family room, to eating dinner together each night, to keeping Sunday as God's day that is special. We attend church together, we do not shop on Sunday, we focus on keeping a special family day by spending time with each other and doing special activities with each other. Our favorite is known as day camping. We head to a conservation area and cook our dinner on the grill and spend the afternoon and evening playing, hiking, and being together. We talk openly about our faith and God, which leads to random child conversations about God being everywhere with us. We serve at church and talk about it with our children so that they understand that God has given each of us gifts and abilities and that we have the wonderful opportunity to use them to glorify God and serve Him. And Sarah Arnold, you too are a woman that God is using. We're moving down the age continuum here to, to Emily Sampson. Emily is a fourth-year political science and criminal justice student at the University of Guelph. She's originally from Guelph, the oldest of five kids. And she works here at the church part-time as Lakeside Kids Coordinator. She hopes to teach kindergarten one day and follow in the footsteps of her grandmother who taught for 35 years. She loves reading, watching old movies and TV shows with her family and volunteering. And she writes this, my life is busy. Between working, volunteering, classes, I forget everything else. I forget God and I forget myself. There are so many things that demand attention and slowly our faith moves towards the back burner, something I've become familiar with. My faith is strong, but it does not remain unchallenged. Our society is characterized by independence and pride. We often become buried in our desire not to depend on God, but instead to depend on ourselves, something I know that I'm guilty of. When I first came to Lakeside seven years ago, I avoided all connections, all people, and even God. However, I know that God wants me to trust Him, and I know that His plan for me is far greater than anything I could do myself. The Bible says that a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So I keep reminding myself who God is, who I am, and all that I have is His. What is continuing to grow in me is a deeper love for Christ, for His church, and for His people. Through my work as the Lakeside Kids Coordinator, which I love, my interactions with children and families, and my role as a youth leader, I believe I live out what God has called me to do. 
Each child needs a champion and every kid matters. Aren't you glad she's back there taking care of your kids? Through partnering with families in our community, it's my hope that we inspire the little ones to be curious, motivate those who are older to go and discover, and help everyone connect in and outside the church. I love being involved with Lakeside Kids as a small group leader and also with senior high students. And Emily Sampson, you too are showing us what it means to be a woman God can use. Uh, we just wanted to show you that it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter your background, your set of gifts, you can be a woman that God can use, and we honor those four and everybody else who's here today too. Well, if you've been following along, we got through six of the seven characteristics, so now we're just to our final one. Did you say what's the sixth one? The second one? I'm going to go back and give it to you again. What was it? Just a second. I don't want anyone to miss anything. A woman who has a heart for those far from God. Thank you for that distraction. A woman who runs to serve the Lord is point number seven. A woman who runs to serve the Lord. Matthew chapter 28, verses 7 and 8. Go quickly and tell his disciples he's risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Notice, they didn't walk. They did not pass go. They did not collect $200. They did not stop to do some shopping along the way. They ran to tell the disciples. Do you want to be a woman that God can use? Better get some running shoes on. Mary let herself get completely engaged in the message and the cause of the resurrected Jesus. Notice she didn't let her rational mind take over at this point and say, did, I, did we really see those angelic beings? Did they really tell us to run back and tell the disciples? Did this empty tomb thing really happen? Maybe we should think this through a little more. Mary didn't do that. Mary knew her Lord. Mary knew immediately that the resurrection had actually happened, and it immediately moved her to run. Boy, do we need a few runners for Jesus Christ in our world today. Women willing to lay it all aside because of a passion for Christ. I want you to notice one other thing. This is Matthew chapter 28, and in Matthew chapter 28, this is one of the famous gospel scriptures and i'm just going to flip to it for a moment matthew 20 matthew chapter 28 it's called the great commission and this is where jesus said go into all the world so let's look at it okay i'll read it when they saw him they worshiped him the eleven disciples went to galilee to the mountain where jesus had told them to go when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted then Jesus came to them and said, All authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is the great commission that Jesus gave to his disciples. Let's play out a scenario here. Let's think about this for a minute. Mary Magdalene 
keeps all this information to herself. She does not run back and tell the disciples that she has seen the Lord. She does not tell them to meet Jesus in Galilee at the appointed time. They do not go to Galilee. They do not receive the Great Commission of Matthew chapter 28. What then? Well, of course, I do believe that God is not hampered by any one person's action or inaction, so I certainly see it as conceivable that God could have found another way other than using Mary Magdalene in this sense. But here's the real point of it. Women that God uses do run, and they do run afraid and filled with joy and say, I have seen the Lord. So today we looked at Mary and these seven different characteristics. We've looked at what it means to be a woman that God can use. We've heard from Olive and Noel and Sarah and Emily, four very different women at different seasons of their life that God is using, and they are working it out, what it means to be a follower of Christ and a woman that God can use. And so today I say to all of you lakeside women, mothers, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, women who are not mothers, women who are connected to people here but are not present with us today. We admire you. We honor you. We celebrate you today. We love you on Mother's Day and every other day. And we watch you seek to be women that God can use. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the timeless example of Mary Magdalene, that she was a woman who first and foremost had experienced a deep spiritual transformation Will you bring that into our lives, that sense of freedom that we find in a relationship with you? Will you give us a conscious knowledge of what it means to walk in the new life in you? God, will you make us all, women, men, and everybody here, to be people who follow you wholeheartedly, who are not afraid to be identified with you, who are generous and not stingy, who run to follow you, who are leaders, all these things, God, we, we lift them up to you. God, we do pray a special prayer blessing because we thank you for the example of all of Noel, Sarah, and Emily. And we pray for them and for all women among us today that, God, you lift them up, you grow them, let that mustard seed of faith grow into a mighty tree in their lives. And, God, will you use them? Will you work in and through them? We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. To hear it again or other messages, please visit us at lakesidechurch.ca.